the line presented by FanDuel. Promo code 444, new FanDuel users can take advantage of a risk-free first bet. You can get up to $1,000 back if you don't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app today. Enter our promo code 444 and take advantage. Ryan Noonan joined, as always, by my friends, Connor Allen, John Daigle. Daigle, is there light at the end of the tunnel, my friend, as far as the uh, team previews go? We have to be. We're getting to, like, what, we're 22 days out? Friday. Uh, Friday, we're all done. Uh, 24 by the time everyone wakes up. And all 32 by Friday afternoon. Yeah, like we're we're here. I I couldn't believe that they're so close. I didn't know if I'd get them done to be honest. But no, uh, the past two three days in particular. Um, now coming off the expo, I got back early Sunday and just hit them hit them really hard. And now they're cranking out four per day. Like we're gonna get there. Love it. Uh, and, and those are on the site again. If you haven't checked out that, is a team by team look. And the first half of the league, the first 16 are updated. Uh, bold red text at the top, letting you know that I've updated for ADP bets and everything. And um, the last half also, I'll go back and update before Friday night too. So that way Saturday morning, if you're catching up on your leagues, you can't read them all Saturday morning. At least that's my challenge to you. Um, but if your draft's coming up in a week and you want to spend next week reading them, they will be updated for ADP based on all the camp news and changes from preseason. Awesome. Love that. Love that for sure. Great stuff all on the site. Uh, Connor, what's going on, buddy? Not much. Was that uh, the expo with Daigle, um, you know, Sam Hoppin, Chris Allen, Justin Edwards, a bunch of four, four people, uh, as well as, you know, meeting a bunch of industry people was really cool for the first time. It was a lot of fun. We need to talk about Sam Hoppin's life. Maybe not this show, but on another show, because no one stays true to themselves like Sam Hoppin. I respect it so much. Like you have to first think about last year's main event in Vegas, where I'm up until 7 a.m., chain smoking cigarettes which i don't even do with a friend on the vegas strip and sam hoppin literally runs by so let's start with that story but then also at the fantasy football expo another event where you know a lot of us are out till three to five in the morning uh at any place we can find in canton including our friends airbnbs sam hoppin says tells me at the cocktail party on the field at the pro football hall of fame oh no i'm not going out tonight i'm having breakfast with my in-laws in the morning like sam's life we should actually respect it, how true he stays to himself. Yeah, he's running the Chicago Marathon here in, I think, like a month or so. Uh, uh, so. Chris Allen is running it as well. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, Sam is just, yeah, you're like you said, very, very true. And I have another buddy running it as well. And he is the exact same way. A guy who, you know, doesn't, is not with the late night crowd, but gets up and sticks true to exactly what he wants to do. And mad respect because I do not have that much self-control. I'm an old, so I ran the Chicago Marathon back in 2010 uh, and tore my PCL around mile 15 and hobbled my way to the finish line because Hell I had yeah. spent, so of course, I spent so much time training because again, you know, marathon training, you're just not like, oh, you know what, I'm going to sign up for the marathon next month. This is, you know, months and months of training. Uh, I had injured it in an like 18 mile prep run a couple weeks before. Doctor told me not to do it. I told him I appreciate his opinion. Uh, but yeah, people, you know, Noonan on my shirts, people yelling at me that like, you know, go and I'm like, I'm going, this is, this is what goal looks like right now. This is all I got left. Uh, but you know, it was a, a great experience and a great thing to go watch. If you're ever, you know, in a town that does a marathon, it's actually a great live experience. Like it's fun. It's a party. It's an incredible thing. And that's, I watched a few. It was just like, I got to do this before. Um, I get really too old to do it. So I did it at 30 because I felt like that was the line of demarcation of being too old. And uh, yeah, 
running sucks. Otherwise, it's a miserable experience. But I applaud anyone for doing the marathon. It's uh, impressive stuff. So, yeah, kudos to Sam, even uh, within traveling and, and living outside of his normal schedule will find a way to live within his means and uh, respect that big time. So Sam has been a beast of late. He is putting out a ton of great tools on the site that you need to check out again, 444.com slash plans. Uh, getting a betting sub is going to get you access to all the tools that we have on the site, all the JD's work, literally all the things on the site. So check that out. Uh, we really think that from a bang for your buck standpoint, the betting sub can uh, hang with anyone. So uh, Dalton wants to play hoops. With this old guy, uh, Dalton, I will body you. You know, we had coffee the other day. You're probably 130 pounds wet. Um, I'll, <laughs> if you need me to get old man and, and post you up, we could do that. Um, uh, yeah, down for some hoops whenever. Friend of the show and myself, like we always know how much energy Dalton Cates has. I've always known it. I've appreciated it. But, dude, I'm not kidding. We got to the flag football field. I was watching from afar. I was actually taking part in a best ball mania multiple in the stands with Justin Herzig, Eagles, all the pros, while the football games are going on, and the adults that I wanted to laugh at were playing. Dalton shows up to the field, and literally no warm-ups, drops his bag, and just starts taking off and running 40-yard routes, because this is what Dalton does. He doesn't stretch. He just shows up and takes off uh, every play. You have to respect it. I've never seen someone run just a nine route or a post every single play, like full speed. And I was like, man, that I'm I don't know where he tired gets watching this. Like, this is yeah. so tiring. I met Dalton for coffee. I thought he just had coffee before we got there. <laughs> like he, he was ready to go. So unstoppable. It. Yeah. Kudos to him. Uh, Dan, thank you. Laying me as a favorite. So we'll do that at some point. Appreciate you, Dan. Shout outs. Uh, you know, I'm old. I can still hoop though. You can still get it someday. Um, last of the previews, NFC South. Uh, it is, uh, I think it's an interesting division. It's not uh, the worst division. It's not the best division, but uh, I think there's a clear favorite. Uh, we'll tackle that here at the top with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, from a conference schedule standpoint, uh, part of the ease of the schedule, especially for like the Bucs and the Saints is they get to play four games against the Panthers and the Falcons. Uh, they're also playing the NFC West uh, and the AFC North. That's also part of why, you know, we just did the AFC North a couple weeks ago, not a very daunting division. Wonky's 17th game is coming out of the AFC West. So uh, Bucks prohibitive favorites here, eight to one to win the Super Bowl. They are three and a half to one to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. Win total out there at 11 and a half. Uh, you could shop the juice depending on which side you like there. And they are minus 250, pretty big favorites, best number on DraftKings to win this division. They have a fairly easy strength of schedule again, seventh easiest, and they have an advantage in terms of rest with plus eight. So it's a very busy offseason. Uh, we had a 40-day little leeway there where it appeared that they were going to be in transition. Tom Brady retired. Um, basically, we're talking about – you know, we had Bruce Arians selling us on Blaine Gabbert, basically being uh, one of the most underrated players in the league. Looks like we weren't going to be like full rebuilds, but again, without Brady, it's a very different squad. But uh, he stepped down. Brady returns. Uh, Todd Bowles comes in, promoted. Uh, you know, from defensive coordinator position, there's continuity on the offensive side with Byron Leftwich staying on. But again, uh, last year they had massive injuries in comparison to the Super Bowl year where they stayed incredibly healthy. And last year, it wasn't just the injury total. It was really who was injured and when they got hurt. Tristan Wirfs late in the season, Chris Godwin late in the season, they made it very difficult. They started, uh, you know, Scotty Miller and, you know, Tyler Johnson in the playoffs, Connor. So get me started here with the Bucks. Yeah, I think you did a pretty good job summarizing it. I'm a little bit worried about all the injuries piling up and then seemingly 
directly after, you know, Tom Brady then needing a mental break or whatever it was, you know, like kind of a break from football. I, I guess it's not time to worry yet, but I think it's it just the timing of everything seemed a little bit interesting. Uh, and so obviously the Bucks like, oh, it was planned, you know, whatever. We told him it was going to be goat week, you know, he could do whatever he wanted. Um, and, you know, at this point in his career is, you know, literally the oldest quarterback, you know, successful quarterback in NFL history. Uh, he probably can. Uh, but at the same time, I just think with the, with the offensive line stuff kind of piling up, it's not ideal. Uh, on the other hand, though, you know, Tampa Bay currently favored in 16 games. That's the most in the entire NFL. So at 16 games, I think that, I mean, their win total right now, 11 and a half. I'm not on the over. Uh, I would, I'm just staying away because I, I don't generally like betting those high win totals unless it's like a team that seems to be in pristine shape, no injuries. You know, they're by far the best team, easy schedule. And I just don't think that they, they don't check enough of those boxes for me. You already mentioned the injury clusters they suffered last year, especially on defense, which actually forced them to start Richard Sherman mid-year. But I think it's a good thing that they brought everyone back, sign, essentially everyone back, signed Akeem Hicks and traded for Shaq Mason for only a fifth-round pick. On the other hand, they're, they're almost due for regression in their offensive line health. And we've already seen that with the – their starting center carted off in camp, but their starting offensive linemen played 88% of their snaps together last year. And so we know they're due for some negative regression there as well. And again, it's already happening mid camp at the same time. It's still Tom Brady, even though I'm not as high on Russell Gage and Julio Jones as everyone else. Uh, this is still a team that with Brady has passed over the last couple of years, the highest rate in the league on first down. Like they're going to be an aggressive and now have a tougher schedule, which I'm not sure matters knowing that they're going to be aggressive with Tom Brady. So uh, I think it's still good for their offense and the NFC is so weak that I don't really worry about them so much making the playoffs and competing like Connor. That doesn't really lead me to a, a team total or a, a confident bet here, but I still know they're going to show up and still at least be a coin toss to make the NFC championship. Yeah, that's kind of it, right? Is it feels like we we know that they can almost just go on cruise control if, as long as they don't have cluster injuries again, as long as Brady doesn't go down, it's going to be hard for them to to not make the playoffs here, probably even hard for them to not win the division to be honest, but you know, you can't have especially like Daigle mentioned in the back half too. They had uh, the secondary had 14 different combinations of the main five starting defensive backs last season. So, that was a problem. Um, Jordan Whitehead's gone. That was a big loss too, along with you know JPP and and Dominican Sue up front. But for the most part, they replaced that. They've actually spent the past two drafts early in the draft, basically adding their backups, Joe Tryon, Logan Hall this year. They added Logan Ryan in uh, free agency as well, just kind of another body to rotate back there. So, yeah, I mean, we know what Todd Bowles is going to do. They were second in blitz rate last year. They know that that's going to continue. Like that's just kind of been his thing. Uh, great nugget also I got from Football Outsiders, which I thought was really cool. Todd Bowles has been a DC for nine seasons. His defenses have led or ranked second in stuff rate uh, in seven of nine seasons. Stuff rate, basically tackling the runner at or behind the line of scrimmage. And then last year, when you look, they were fourth. They had the fourth lowest stack box rate in the league last year, too. So it's not even that they sell out to stop the run. Just schematically, the timing is they know when to do it, and they execute pretty well on doing so. So, And that's with three different teams. So it's not even like schematically you can tie it to one guy or anything like that. So pretty interesting stat. So be interested to see if there's any shift offensively without Arians, but I feel like having the continuity dangle with, with Luff, which probably helps. And even when they were down bad in the postseason, that stuff rate certainly helped. 
and a matchup, which was Philadelphia's worst nightmare, pretty much the worst matchup that offense could have, given the strengths of Tampa Bay's defense, uh, certainly helped the Bucs as well. But remember, like they still won a playoff game without Leonard Fournette and Chris, and Chris Godwin, and then only lost to the Super Bowl champion Rams in the next round by three points. And that was with Brady averaging six and a half attempts per game. So like that was a team down bad and still basically competed deep into the NFC postseason. Like they're fine. It's the Bucks. They're fine. Doesn't lead me to a bet, but it's going to be okay. We did get down on um, the Bucks with uh, Russell Gage under 725 and a half yards. We got down on that like collectively when they signed Julio and Chris Godwin, you know, pretty much, I mean, within what, an hour or two, uh, announced that he would not start on Pup even for training camp and would likely be ready for week one. Now, I think that he gets, you know, kind of eased back in a little bit, but at the same time, like that's maybe one to two games, whereas the initial expectation was four to six games. Uh, and so I think that that obviously has a, a big impact on Russell Gage just in general goes from the clear number two option to, our, you know, as soon as Godwin's back, you know, maybe the third slash fourth option there, depending on how, how they use Julio, who apparently has been playing really well in camp. Seems like all the reports have been good and was pretty efficient when he was not, you know, banged up last year. So that's obviously the biggest question. Um, I don't I, right now. Julio props 550 receiving yards. I think early in the season. We might be able to catch some low Julio lines that we can hit overs on. Uh, I think could be interesting because we're probably going to see Godwin kind of, you know, ease back in a little bit, at least in my opinion. But I don't know. I mean, it's it's tough. Betting overs on guys like Julio is not always, you know, it's not ideal at this point in his, his, his age. I'm in the camp that the Bucks now just treat the regular season like LeBron's NBA teams where, like, it doesn't matter. You get to the postseason, we'll grind then. Um but I also, at, at that same note, even agreeing with you that Chris Godwin, I've been treating him as well. Like the first six to eight games, there's just genuinely no reason for him to be a full-time player at all. You don't even need him. Um, at the same time, though, I will not be joining you on those Julio Jones overs. Godspeed. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> worth a look. Worth a look. You know, can't can't commit Connor to him yet blindly without seeing them yet. So I mean, in like if we get like, like forty, you know, like right. 45, 42, That's they will. Fine. They'll be they'll be low. They'll be high thirties or low forties for you sure. You think? Yeah. I do. All right. Yeah, because I think that you typically see, uh, especially early in the season, before they really get a sense of what's going on, I feel like they're prorated off of the season number, and that's their best way to do it, you know, without getting absolutely crushed, right? They probably juice them a little bit to the over there anyway, because they know the average person wants to take the over. But yeah, I mean, I, there could be something there. Um, we'll see. I don't know. Maybe yeah. I, I lost faith even talking about it, honestly. So <laughs> we'll, we'll see. <laughs> uh, Leonard Fournette had uh, peak Christian McCaffrey workload last year. Really, like it was insane. And they obviously bring, they sign a new extension. They bring on Rashad White. You know, again, I feel like there's been a lot of Rashad White love. And I don't know. I, I'm just hesitant to think that there's, they might not want to do what they did with Lenny to the same degree. But we know Brady's going to make that decision. This is Brady's team as much as it's Todd Bowles' team in a lot of ways. And it's crazy to say, but it just it kind of is, right? It's, it's just going to be. He's going to make offensive decisions with Byron Leftwich, but he's going to, have the decision to see who's on the field with them. Now asking a rookie to step up and be that guy, it's possible, but I still feel like Lenny is poised to be a massive, massive offensive shareholder here. And I feel, I feel like he's still undervalued in drafts. And I, again, I'm not taking an over on anything in the prop market season long with Lenny, but I feel like he should be maybe getting a little bit more love than he's getting. What do you think? Dagle? Absolutely. There's such a big disparity right now between underdog ADP and everywhere else you look. For some reason, Rashad White has get bumped up heavily in best ball 
on the sharpest interface on the planet, Underdog. And maybe that makes sense. They are drafting a contingency option, but I don't believe the standalone value at all for Rashad White, who does nothing better than Leonard Fournette. Like Leonard Fournette earned seven and a half targets and 18 and percent target share last year because he has Tom Brady's trust. Leonard Fournette, it's a better pass protector from day one than Rashad White as well. Even Dane Brugler mentioned as much in his beast said that White's, Weakness actually is pass pro coming into the the next level. And so overall, no, like he's being drafted on underdog in the ninth, 10th round. And like Tony Pollard in the seventh or eighth, it just doesn't make much sense knowing that you like, you can't get value out of them unless someone gets out of the way. Like I understand the upside argument and I'm all for that at the certain price, but that's a lot like Alan Lazard in the seventh round, like in the 10th round, it makes sense. And the seventh round doesn't make any sense. Same for Rashad white. If he's going near Isaiah Spiller. Sure. Look, I can get on board, but like as a standalone product, there's no way in hell. Absolutely not. So no, I, I can't get there. And honestly, if Fournette's not out of the way, I don't know how he's not like just a bench fodder in redraft leagues, honestly, how he's a guy you're stuck stashing every single week until you can use him. Like even Ronald Jones, who had value when Fournette was available in those first eight, nine games, like Ronald Jones scored all of his touchdowns last year from inside the 10. That's not Rashad White's role either because Leonard Fournette's bigger and can bruise his way to the goal line. So I really don't know how Rashad White delivers value if Fournette's in the way, honestly. I kind of agree. Yeah, I mean, I feel like he's undervalued. Uh, you know, currently, again, you're seeing Fournette's lasting comfortably to, you know, late second round in, in most formats. So, yeah, um, you're getting harassed for not liking fun players, but uh, I think that you are 100% correct here. White's going to be one of those guys that you don't want to drop, who's giving you no value and you never consider starting him. And again, like, I don't I just, think people understand, though, how hard those guys are to hold. Like uh, FFPC leagues, I understand it's much easier because we have much deeper benches. And even though we like shuffling guys, but like so many home leagues have four to six bench spots. That's it. Uh, no one's going to hold Rashad White if he's not doing anything the first month of the season. No one. And, you know, first of all, props to Underdog. They are by far the softest platform. But Connor, you know where this is going. There what? are, I mean, Underdog, it's the, it's the best platform. Oh, okay, there the hardest. Hardest, not softest. Yeah. Definitely yeah, not softest. I'm sorry, it's the hardest. It's the hardest. Like, oh, whoa. There are soft platforms out there for you to take that will take your best ball action, people. I'm just saying. I, it's like you're just intentionally taking props against the best sharpest lines, the books that limit you and move the lines. Connor, you were dying to say something. There's soft action out there. People just saying we love right. underdog, but well, you have to, you know, weigh the pros and cons of winning more win. money versus driving on, or, you know, drafting on windows 98. Like that's like your, your, your 50, 50 there of like, you know, the worst websites ever that, you know, don't even have an app or drafting on a sleek app that, you know, well, you can draft against all your friends and smart people. So I guess you like money. Um, you know, I don't, I just dabble. I use them as mock drafts, honestly. You know, I'll probably do like 20, 30. Uh, and that's about it. So same. We love, I don't, I don't max enter like you sickos. We love you. I say 20, 30. Like we were there two months ago. I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Early May, probably. Yeah. It's all good. All right. We'll move on. Next club, the Saints. Uh, they are 40 to 1. To win the Super Bowl, 20 to 1 to win the NFC, uh, eight and a half uh, is the win total. This is probably one of the most bet win totals out there since things opened. I believe seven and a halfs were out there available across the marketplace right away. Plus 340 on Caesars is the best number to back them to win this division. Strength of schedule standpoint, still fairly easy. They have the ninth easiest. They do have a slight negative 
rest and disadvantage here. So now we have both Drew Brees and Sean Payton gone. Feels like a little bit of a different era. At least it should. There's obviously some continuity here. Long time DC Dennis Allen takes over as the head coach. Pete Carmichael stays on as the offensive coordinator. He'll be taking on the play calling role left behind with Sean Payton's retirement, which should be temporary, but you know, again, not coaching the saints anymore. And as far as the future goes, I think they're in a really precarious position given the cap situation. They've continued to kind of kick this can down the road for a handful of years. Um, I think that they could have done something differently this year, but they decided that they wanted to kind of go all in again, at least in terms of setting themselves up for the future. It's a really tough spot to be uh, from a cap standpoint when you, don't have a quarterback in the future locked up as well. But they, again, they'll figure it out later. For the purposes of this show, we need to talk about the 2022 Saints. And I think they're going to be interesting. Uh, Connor, I'll let you get started. Yeah, so they're one of actually, I believe it's three teams that opened uh, at a certain win total and moved an entire win, either up or down. I tweeted out a thread today of all the other ones. But yeah, Saints opened at 7.5. They're now at 8.5 right now. And you could actually get an arbitrage, I think, as you mentioned here, over eight and a half plus 105 FanDuel, under eight and a half plus 100 on points bet. So you could technically free roll yourself if you really wanted to make, you know, five cents there uh, for <laughs> a couple months. But, you know, probably not worth the squeeze. I think the Saints, though, in general, you know, made a, a bunch of good additions. And one of their, their biggest, you know, I guess, storylines is Michael Thomas getting healthy, seemingly in the right place, looking like the Michael Thomas of old. And like this Saints team just last year had, had no passing weapons. They skewed their game like massively towards the run, which is, I just don't think something that they at this point should be equipped. Like they don't have, I mean, they have Mark Ingram, but you know, Alvin Kamara is not like the, a bully. He's not a Derrick Henry. He's not a bully. He needs to be gotten into space, get into space, you know, given like 15 to 18 touches max a game. He shouldn't be run between the tackles a bunch. Uh, now, now they're kind of equipped to, I think, like open it up a little bit more with, you know, Chris Olave, Jarvis Landry, Michael Thomas back. They drafted Trevor Penning uh, and then they added some uh, defensive pieces with uh, Tyron Matthew there. So I don't know. I think that this team is the arrows pointing up for sure. Can they contend with the Bucks? Uh, I'm not as confident there, but I still do think that like they have enough good pieces and the coaching staff, you know, remained, I guess like, you know, there's enough continuity there that they should probably see a pretty similar Saints team. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be hard to argue with the upgrade in talent. I mean, we had, well, Marquez Callaway, Traquan Smith, and Deontay Harris last year for the most part. Now we're looking at uh, yeah, probably a, what, 80, 85% version of Michael Thomas. Maybe better. Maybe I'm underselling him, but again, better than anything else last year. Chris Olave, Jarvis Landry, those are pretty massive upgrades. And then this team started Taysom Hill, Trevor Simeon, and Ian Book last year at times, obviously once Jameis went down. So I think Jameis is really the big answer to the puzzle here, right? What kind of Jameis are we going to have? Uh, but I think it's an interesting club. What are your thoughts on the Saints? And Michael Thomas has averaged 10 targets and 19 fantasy points and 10 career starts without Drew Brees. So I still think, even though his ADP has now risen to the sixth round, I still think there's a lot of meat left on that bone. He should continue to be hammered uh, above Adam Thielen, Drake London, all those guys in that range in fantasy. But overall, I'm just curious if, the Saints are going to allow Jameis Winston to be reckless because that's what they need, actually, to be explosive and to score. He can't be the same guy through the first month of the year under Sean Payton last season 
who averaged just 21 and a half pass attempts per game and did not run the ball at all either, was literally just a conservative player. And then in those last two starts prior to him suffering that season-ending injury, that's when they actually let him go for 32 and a half pass attempts per game, the third highest rate of throws 20 plus yards downfield in that in those couple of games, and then also 14 total carries. They allowed him to scramble too. Like that's the James Winston they actually need. They need the one that could actually possibly lead the league in turnovers, but also lead the league in passing yards and touchdowns because that's the only way really this offense competes with the Bucks or anyone else tough that they have on their schedule, not the Falcons or Panthers. We'll get there, but I don't care about those teams at all. Um, so yeah, like to actually be an explosive offense, we need like literally Jameis Winston to go full jailbreak Lamar Jackson and to just let him go and be himself. But do they need an explosive offense to win football games? Probably not. Uh, I mean, to compete, yes. To win games, maybe not. Yeah. But to actually like be taken seriously, yes, absolutely. Yeah, no, that's fair. It'd be interesting to see what that like looks for like. Them, I mean, to hit the ceiling outcome, like they like they have to for sure. But for yeah. them to like you know coast to eight wins, like they could probably run back you know kind of their old thing. But like for them to really hit their ceiling, they for sure have to let Jameis go and see what they got there with their weapons. But I mean, Michael Thomas is proper right now, eight hundred receiving yards and seventy receptions. I feel like that could be just like way way too low. Yeah, it's um, way too low. I didn't know that was the prop. That's crazy. Yeah, it was. It was actually seven fifty, but it's yeah, it's just like. I mean, the question is like, how much, like, how sold are you that Michael Thomas is back? Um, I'm pretty sold. I just don't know. Like, you know, I'm not sure if it's, I think it's just probably better to draft him in fantasy than it is to bet on his prop. It's fair. Yeah. It does seem light though. I would think it probably would have maybe at least been 850 and change, but yeah, you're saying it opened at 750. We missed that. We haven't projected, we haven't projected for a thousand now, I think, or over a thousand at this point, which I think is, that's probably about right. Honestly. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I mean, again, like, how do you think they're used? Because when you think about where he was really successful, it was a lot of two receiver stuff and a lot of slot stuff. And then obviously bringing in Jarvis Landry, you expect Landry to take on a lot of the slot role. Um, or, you know, we have, a, a, you know, Michael Thomas outside. Like, I feel, feel like that matters, right? Getting some of those layup targets were a, a big part of his game in years past with, with Drew Brees. So I don't know. I, I, I think it, your fantasy over betting probably is kind of my lean there too, though I do think it's light. So yeah, and then there's this other one that uh, Dalton and I talked about a bunch: forty to one most receptions for Michael Thomas. Uh, I mean, again, that goes back to what Daigle was saying that if they do open it up, certainly in the range of outcomes. If they don't, I mean, he's pretty much got no shot. So they were second in adjusted games loss on the offensive side of the ball last year too. Again, not a lot of actually least amount of offensive line continuity in the league. Hopefully, they can you know, do something different there. They lost, you know, Taron Armstead went over to Miami. They added Trevor Penning in the draft. Again, if they can avoid cluster injuries here, I think that they'll still be in a good spot. Cause you mentioned, like, I don't think we're losing Alvin Kamara to the suspension that we all thought maybe was going to happen earlier in the spring and early summer. looks like that's been kind of kicked down the road enough that we'll probably get a full season from Kamara, which is interesting to see I, defensively. Like this is an excellent team. They've been awesome under Dennis Allen uh, they should continue to be. They lost both of their starting safeties with Malcolm Jenkins and Marcus Williams. But I think that they're upgraded basically with Marcus May. Uh, kind of bad year with the Jets, but I think everything was bad there last year. You know, Tyron Matthew coming to town. These guys are more versatile. They're kind of interchangeable. It allows them to do a lot of different things. And that cornerback room is probably as deep and talented as almost anyone else in the league. So there's 
there's just a lot to like there. And then we all know you can't run the Saints. They are they led the league last year, uh, lowest EPA per rush allowed. They were third in explosive rush rate allowed. Again, like this is we know defensive stuff isn't super sticky. But this is like a top five defense that could be you know anywhere up there. So there's a lot to like here if Jameis is even serviceable. Like again, I know we want the like DGAF Jameis that pushes the ball down the field, but they can't have the turnovers. So, right. So they need like the, a little bit of both thing. That's the only reason I push back on that is because I think everything else here, there's a lot to like, this is a, a playoff team. And that's actually one of my favorite bets. And probably my favorite bet in this division is saints plus plus one twenty five to make the playoffs. Um, I feel like it's a really good number. Again, when you're kind of thinking of the other teams in the, in the conference here, um, I'm kind of down on, on the Cardinals compared to you guys. When we did our, our preview, that would probably be one of the teams that would be in the mix. I think they can get there with maybe the Vikings. Like I think two of those teams can get there. It maybe comes down to another team out in the the West, and that's probably the Cardinals. Because I don't think we think that you know the Lions are there uh, or anything like that that we talked about. And obviously, I don't think we think the other two clubs here are going to be a playoff team. So I like the uh, the number on the the Saints to make the playoffs. That's a good look. I know also one of our writers and analysts, Sharp Clark, took a pretty heavy, you know, alt under on Bucks, uh, you know, Saints to win the division, and I think Saints over. So, you know, I know he's right there with you and took a pretty, you know, sizable stand on the Saints being pretty underrated and the Bucks potentially being overrated a little bit. I like the continuity, right? Even though I think Sean Payton's obviously losing him is a big deal, but again, knowing that you know, Carmichael's still there, Allen's still there, um, you know, again, the future is really dicey. Uh, but they'll figure it out. And I think this year they can have enough to, to kind of, to kind of get there. So, all right, gentlemen, we'll get to the other two teams that we are not dying to talk about. Maybe I'm a little, I have a little bit more optimism on the Panthers than you guys do, but uh, not a lot. So I don't want to sell myself as a Panther stand here, but they are one thirty uh, to one to win the Super Bowl, 70 to one to win the NFC six and a half is the win total available. Uh, again, DraftKings, FanDuel, depending on what you want to do. And then they are 11 to one to win the division. they, Started 3-0 and last year. Young defense started coming together. We had some nice Sam Darnold starts that were good enough to beat the Jets, Saints, and Texans. Then the wheels fell off. We are moving into the third year of the Matt Rule era. Um, again, another new starting quarterback. Baker Mayfield can come in, change the narrative for both he and Rule, uh, or not. And they can both be uh, left out to uh, to pasture here pretty quickly. Dago, what are your thoughts on the Panthers? On one hand... We know they're due for regression logically because they went two and six in one score games last year. And in particular, their sack rate was the best in the league, 2.2% when McCaffrey was on the field to nine and a half percent, which is the worst in the league whenever he was off the field, whenever he was injured, because he's that important to their pass production. On the other hand, we can also look and say, oh, well, like their five wins last year actually came against Zach Wilson and Davis Mills in their first career starts as quarterbacks in the NFL, Colt McCoy, Matt Ryan without Calvin Ridley in the second half of the season, and Jameis Winston. Also, in the transition to Baker Mayfield, this happens with everything nowadays because civilization gets stupider every week, but obviously there was an overreaction and traded for Baker Mayfield. It went too far overboard. Like he averaged 15 and a half fantasy points in his first six starts before he 
injured his shoulder. Just fine. Whatever. He's an average quarterback. But in the Browns era, they actually never finished top 10 in yards per play while he was healthy. And then in particular, Sports Inspo and Solutions charted him with the third highest rate of accurate throws last year. So I'm not too high on the Panthers. I'm not too high on Matt Rule or this team actually going above their season win total. Uh, and I still do think they have major, major question marks at the quarterback under center. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, yeah, I think the injury was definitely impactful. Then you look at the other side. Football Outsiders has uh, Sam Darnold as the second-worst quarterback from a DVO perspective in the last 40 years that they've been charting. So, like, Baker may be average, but it's really hard to argue that he's not an upgrade over Sam Darnold. He's an upgrade. He's definitely so, an upgrade. Connor, what do you better got or worse. Yeah, that's fair. What do you got on the Panthers, buddy? Yeah, no, I agree. And I think that this win total has – been interesting to follow. So opened at six, then dipped to five and a half with Darnold there. It seemed like they weren't going to be able to get anything done. That was kind of after the draft. Now all the way up to six and a half, even on both sides. I struggled to see the Panthers winning seven games, just to be honest. You know, I think that five to seven, you know, is a pretty fair range, but seven is towards the top end of that range of outcomes. And I just don't, I don't see much upside here kind of with, you know, this team, their offensive line, we have them ranked, I believe, 28th. Uh, you know, other respectable sites have them like the bottom five. You know, despite the addition of Aquanu, obviously in the draft, they signed Corbett uh, and Bradley Bozeman. So I think that that's, you know, like their offensive line should still be bottom tier is my point. And then you have Baker Mayfield. The weapons are good, but uh, I'm not really sold on, you know, just generally Matt Rule at all. Uh, you know, like kind of looking at his overall, you know, work, I guess, like just like overall, um, you know, career. He's won five games the last two seasons, uh, you know, albeit with bad talent. But, you know, certain coaches are fine are able to find a way to at least show us something that there's something intriguing there, something interesting. Uh, and like, you know, like Dan Campbell has kind of shown us something like that. Lions team was was in a lot of games they shouldn't have been. And, you know, at least that we felt like that they had some, you know, opportunity there where I feel like Matt Rules, Panthers, I just don't get that same kind of vibe there. And I, I have a lot of questions around Ben McAdoo. I know that there was some. Uh, you know, Charles Roberts had recently spoke about on an underdog pod about how they love Ben McAdoo and how, you know, things are going well from a coaching perspective, you know, in uh, in Carolina. But I mean, they essentially fired Joe Brady. And what they told him was that they were like throwing the ball too much. They want to commit to the run. And that's kind of, you know, what I expected. But then they bring in Ben McAdoo, you know, Daigle's boy, who essentially, you know, invented 11 personnel in the NFL and was throwing the ball a ton. So, you know, when push comes to shove, and a couple games in the season, they're not doing well and they're throwing the ball too much. Like, you know, I just foresee a lot of problems between these two guys. And I don't know how that's going to work out, um, barring them being super efficient. Also, the Panthers right now favored in four games after the Baker Mayfield compared to two when uh, prior to him uh, coming over. So, you know, still under their win total, but two of those games against the Falcons. So, I mean, take that for what, for what it's worth. You want to defend Ben McAdoo? I mean, Ben McAdoo's legitimately a genius. Everyone's crazy. Uh, he's one of the <laughs> smartest coordinators in the entire NFL. I'm pro. This is pro Ben McAdoo right here. Not just 11 personnel before Sean McVay made it famous. Like, this dude was still running 98% of the giant snaps, 11 personnel. But also, wanted to move up for Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen and was told no by John Mara. Uh, also, that everyone says, like, he's a donkey because he benched Eli Manning for Geno Smith. But the right move was benching Eli Manning for anyone at that stage of his career. He just happened to only have Geno Smith because the organization and Mara in particular didn't help him out. So you don't blame him for that decision. Like, imagine having the courage to, like, look the Silver Spoon family in their face and say, like, you're wrong. Like, we need someone else, anyone else right now. So screw the starting streak. I'm trying to win games here for you. 
Like, no, this dude is a hero. Just to be clear, this was not an anti-McAdoo. It was just a clashing of like systems, you know. <laughs> That's like, why he's the visionary. You know, I, I have amazing. no idea. I'm just very intrigued about how this works out. I don't think the Baker's going to confuse this offensive line for Cleveland's. Again, they are still not very good. They did add four new starters, which I think it's an upgraded unit. And again, that's not saying much, but it's saying something. And it's a start. And again, I think we can't underrate having Christian McCaffrey again. And if you want to get out there and you want to like predict injuries and tell me that he is going to be hurt again, then you know you're in the wrong business. You should be doing something else. Like. He's he should be your first pick in any draft that's non-super flex. He's dynamic. He does things that no one else does. Christian McCaffrey has an impact on this roster. Now, I think we all really like DJ Moore. Um, I think that Robbie Anderson had an incredible amount of unrealized air yards last year. I think they were the worst team by far in deep passes, passes 16 yards and down the field more. They average just eight yards per attempt. And from a DVO perspective, the gap between them and the 31st ranked team, the second worst was Jacksonville. It was the same gap as Jacksonville to the 17th ranked team, Denver. They were so inefficient on deep passes. So, again, Baker has his moments. Um, we've seen it at times. And I think that there is, again, Terrence Marshall's a guy that we, again, another year removed from the injury that happened in the preseason last year. You know, Robbie, DJ Moore, there are pieces here that I think are encouraging. And the defense – they're going to miss Hassan Reddick in a big way. But two years ago, they spent nothing but their entire draft on the defensive side of the ball. And J.C. Horn was really good last year before he got hurt. He'll, he's back. Um, he allows them to kind of go man on one side and then just kind of zone cap everything else. Uh, you probably maybe see Phil Snow do a lot of different things last year. He liked to mix it up. Pretty interesting defensive coordinator. You know, I think Brian – Burns is interesting. Derek Brown needs to step up. Jeremy Chin's been really good and is pretty versatile. I think there's just a lot of interesting pieces here. Um, I don't, I'm not taking them to go over six and a half, but like I think the range of outcomes here for like the Panthers, just from a talent perspective, if they can overcome rule and charge, if Ben McAdoo can make some things happen, Baker plays better like we've seen in the past, I think there's enough here for them to be like significantly better than the Falcons, I guess. And that's probably still a six or seven win football team and not a playoff team or anything like that. But I think that the range of outcomes for the Panthers is pretty vast, to be honest. So I don't know. Um, I can see some upside here. I'm not going to say something like the Bengals for a team that goes like we have no hope and then they go to the Super Bowl. But like the, there are pieces here. If they put things together, that could be a pretty exciting team if they stay healthy. I don't know. It could be fun. That's my yeah. bull case for the I Panthers. I don't know if I can get fully on board, but I guess I see what you're saying. But I mean, it would require their defense to be like, you know, fringe top 10, top five plus Mayfield to not be terrible, you know, and just be like at least average and all the rest of the pieces kind of come together, which I guess is possible. But then even then you're probably looking at, I guess, like, I don't know, eight wins. Nine For wins, sure. Maybe. And that's right. That's, and it's probably true. I do think though the defense can be, you know, middle of the pack or maybe towards the, the, higher end maybe a 10 to 15 defense like those things happen and then you get turnover variance that goes on your side and um i don't know like again we're kind of looking at them through the lens of sam darnold last year no jc horn the majority of the year without christian mccaffrey and i think those are massively impactful pieces that change kind of the dynamic of both sides of the ball and you know i think that new things can happen for them so um i'm going to be optimistic and, and chart it and i'll probably be quick to act if i look i think that they could you know, tend to get on the, the right side quickly. Again, the schedule is light. They get, you know, the Browns that'll probably be Jacoby Brissett. The Giants have been a mess to start the season. 
Um, you know, and then they knocked off the Saints early last year. So there's the early schedule is favorable for them to uh, to get off to a decent start. So less of a mess than the next club. Falcons. They are 250 to one to win the Super Bowl. Uh, none of this matters. The win total is five, four and a half, uh, depending on what you want to do. Uh, strength of schedule, hardest in the division, which is not great. Uh, and then they have a negative seven rest disadvantage. Football Outsiders has last year's seven and 10 Falcons, which is, again, I just don't think I forgot that they went seven and 10. It's the worst seven win team in the league's history, actually by a pretty significant margin from a DVOA standpoint. Um, and it gets worse. Like they really mismanaged the offseason. They were kind of publicly flirting with Deshaun Watson, kind of forced them into restructuring Matt Ryan's deal. And then that was to the point where like they couldn't really salvage it, forced themselves into trading Matt Ryan. Um, he has a $40 million dead cap hit uh, on the books this year. They have over 30% of their cap not playing for them this year, which is not great. Um, when there's just not a lot of talent to begin with, this is like, there's no real good units here anywhere. I guess you can make the case that like the cornerbacks are decent, but it's kind of a mess. Uh, Diggle, give me your thoughts here on, on the Falcons. This team is awful. Uh, Falcons finished 26 in points per game, 24th in scoring percentage and 24th in yards per play and only got worse. All seven of their wins last year were by six points or less which is why they finished with a negative 146 point differential, which what you mentioned, worst team in the NFL, according to DVOA and football outsider standards, that was actually the worst scoring differential for a team that won at least seven games in NFL history. And that was with injury luck on their side and having football outsiders third fewest adjusted games lost due to injury. Their defensive coordinator, Dean Pease, is going to turn 73 in season. How is he even looking at a play sheet and not retired right now? And He's already was, retired. They brought him back. And I know, <laughs> and yet somehow was retained after the Falcons had 18 sacks in 17 games and generated the league's lowest pressure rate because he's running the Bears' 1985 defense that literally no other team even knows what they are. It's like rush two passers because that's what the Bears did in 1985. It doesn't matter at all. So no, this team, the last time we saw Marcus Mariota with with uh, uh, Arthur Smith, he got benched. Like, this team is terrible. I, this Actually, I keep struggling with the margin for fantasy and team performance, offensive performance, because I don't want to be Jonathan Taylor left behind again like last year when he was a third-round pick, and I said, well, actually, like, this team's going to suck because Carson Wentz. Why do I want Jonathan Taylor? It was true. The team sucked with Carson Wentz and John Taylor was amazing. So like with Kyle Pitts, I'm, I'm, I keep trying to wrap my head around it, but I expect them to be bottom five in touchdowns. I expect them to be bottom five in yards. And I don't expect Marcus Mario to start more than double digit games. So like, I don't know what the hell we're even supposed to do with this one, except bet the under. The 18% pressure rate wasn't just the worst in the league last year. It's the worst in the league since 2013. Unbelievable. Like really, this really, team really bad. is bad. Yeah, I mean, that's too. I don't know if you guys watched the preseason game against the Lions. Mariota was running for his life. Yeah. I mean, like flushed from the pocket within seconds, not by choice, literally just flushed and run, flushed and run. I mean, that's actually on my week one notes is Mariota rushing over because, I mean, God, they can't set it high enough. He's going to be scrambling 15 times a game uh, because that's going to be it. It's going to be scramble and just fling one to London or Pitts and pray, um, which might work sometimes. But uh, I, I took the under here, five wins. Um, Falcons under five wins. I grabbed this at plus money. Uh, I mean, months ago, I mean like that was like way long ago. Um, but now still even at five wins minus minus one forty five at DK 
I really struggle to see how this team gets to six wins. I just, I don't see it. They are devoid of talent outside of Drake London, Kyle Pitts, and to some extent, Marcus Mariota, but I wouldn't even consider him real talent. He's just there. So yeah, the offensive line projects to be terrible. Um, you know, it's the worst defense. in the league last year. They brought, they have running it back. It's all yeah. five same guys. Yeah. Defense projects to be terrible. I, I just don't, I don't see it either. I, to your extent, to what you said, Daigle, like sums it up perfectly because I keep thinking about Kyle Pitts. I get this gross taste in my mouth of just the Falcons, but I'm like, Oh, Kyle Pitts is actually awesome. Um, but the rest of the team is so bad and I don't know. So draft Kyle Pitts, draft Drake London, Mariota might be, you know, smash some overs on rushing yards. That's about all I got for the Falcons. And he, even Kyle Pitts, like I, I don't think he's a good like mid-second round guy, honestly, considering that George Kittle and Darren Waller go two and a half rounds later than him. Like the margin is very slim. Yeah, it's too big of a gap. We're 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 trying to get too much of the positive touchdown regression to come back there, which I think is a real thing. And I think there's just there's a lot of things to like about Kyle Pitts. And uh, you made a good point with JT last year. You can and you probably should separate a little bit of team performance with fantasy player performance because they can, uh, you know run concurrently at times and sometimes they can run, uh, you know, against each other. So, but like the rest of the talent on the offensive side, like they, they, no one gets any separation. I know that that's an easy knock on Drake London, but like Brian Edwards and Autumn Tate are just kind of big body guys. They don't really have any speed guys. Like if they're going to, you know, it's going to be Olamide Zacchaeus again, they're going to try to roll out here to have anyone that can run, you know, down the field to kind of stretch. It's just kind of, a, it's a mess. And again, I can't, I continue to go back to, the worst offensive line in the league, uh, dead last in pass block win rate uh, by a significant margin, and then they're running it back with Marcus Mariota, who, again, like the mobility is almost a necessity, right? Where it's like it's nice that he can do things, they can do RPOs, and they can do play action boots, but he's going to have to do it literally to just to buy any time um, versus the statue of Matt Ryan, who, again, struggled and is in a better spot. But it's it's a mess. Defensively, they took a bunch of stabs at guys and bodies in the draft to try to add anything to the pass rush. I don't know that I feel really strong about any of them. I do think AJ Terrell is a really nice corner and, you know, similar to JC Horn who allows you to kind of do some things on one side. They added Casey Hayward. They added Dean Marlowe. That's an upgrade from what they had. It's the best part of their defense. It's still not a great defense. It's, hey, like, not, it's still not a, a good secondary. As defense. good of an individual player AJ Terrell is, like he doesn't matter. Like it, it, the rest of the defense is so bad that he does not make an impact whatsoever. We just don't throw to Adam, which is why it was always a dumb pick because they should have just <laughs> grabbed Ceedee Lamb. They would they wouldn't have this issue in the first place in 2022. Yeah, we have some great uh, questions and, and thoughts here from the the chat. Mike Randall, first off, Pits and Prey is a great fantasy team name. You know, shout <laughs> out Mike. Appreciate that. I, I agree. Uh, Joe Metz here. More wins, Bears or Falcons? Mm, November twentieth. Question. Super Bowl twenty twenty two. The Bears versus the Falcons. That's when they play. Yep, I'm excited. I that is actually I looked it up today. They are a pick'em right now. So that was oh, one yeah. of the Falcons. So this is actually great. The Falcons were favored originally in two games. And as the offseason has progressed, they are now not favored in a single game. So, and the Bears was one of the games. They were favored by one and a half. Uh, and I think they still might be maybe half point favorites or one point favorites at Superbook. DraftKings right now, they are pick them. So we can actually bet on this, you know, if whoever we're feeling here. Honestly, I don't know. I think that these are two, <laughs> like I am the most down on the Chicago Bears as possible. And I think you guys are very, very down on them as well. And I don't know. This is a tough one. Yeah. Week 11 at Atlanta. 
Oh, oh it's at Atlanta too. Would yeah. you would you rather the most talented player on your team be a quarterback like the Bears or a tight end like the Falcons? I think it's I'll take the Bears anytime. Yeah, it's it is probably Chicago, honestly, which is sad to say. I mean, if, if we can't make a good case of the Falcons win that game, then I mean the under is such a strong has to be such a strong play. I mean, that's the easiest part of their schedule is they they get uh they go at Washington and Carson Wentz the next week. Which I you know, I just just T and Dago love to, to take Carson Wentz shots. <laughs> I know they're not winning. Chase Washington. Young if he's back then. That's who I'm taking. Yeah. It's just a it's a mess. Yeah, it's a bad, bad football team. Uh gosh. I mean, look, we're moving away from talking about every game on move the line in season this year. So we'll probably skip the uh Bears Falcons game. I imagine it's not going to be one of the ones that one of us chooses to talk about that week, but uh, I think we have to bring it up now. I mean, it's got to be like our, you know, yeah. uh, one of them. I'll, I'll have a bet on it just because we got to bring it up because we talked about it now so much. <laughs> Commit to the bit. Right. Yeah. Exactly. It's a, it's a, it's a bad, it's a bad team. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree. I mean, obviously CD lamb changes the dynamic here. Um, if they would have made that pick, which is just kind of a no brainer, you just never draft for position. Turns out they got a winner still with AJ Terrell. They, they needed that, but, Again, to Dago's point, the rest of the defense is so bad. You just don't throw at the guy then because you just – and that's what happened at the tail end last year when he started to emerge. They just didn't throw at him, um, and I think we'll see more of that this year. So you got to have you got to have other guys on the other side. So, All right, gents. Uh, I went first. I gave you my best bet. I, I'm, I'm making the Saints an official play. Saints at plus 125. Uh, let me check our futures odd board here. Plus 125 on DraftKings is the best number. Uh, for me here in Illinois, uh, MGM is plus 120. So check your books, but I'm going to make Saints a playoff team at plus 125. Uh, Connor, what do you got? Yeah, I'm going to go with, I'm gonna just going to double down here. Uh, Atlanta Falcons, again, under five wins. This is minus 145 right now on DraftKings. Uh, I'm totally fine laying the juice here. I just do not see a way that they get to six wins. I mean, maybe a push, but realistically, they should be contention for one of the worst teams in the league. Just terrible all across the board. Same. I'm going Falcons under five and a half or five, whatever you have at your current book right now. Um, I truly think this is the worst team in the league, and it's not even close, given that they exceeded expectations, but actually everything else that we expect to fall backwards and regress, it actually only got worse. That wraps it up, gents. We're done. Division previews in the books. Good stuff, as always. If you are just listening to this one, again, wherever you're listening, podcast form, YouTube, you can find all of them. Um, check them out. I think that they, for the most part, are all still standing up. Um, not a lot of action that would massively change our takes. If they were, we would have bet on them. And you, Again, you can find all those bets in our Discord or on our site. We have an updated bet tracker that tracks all the stuff that we have there, too. We have other contributors on the site also uh, adding plays all the time, which is exciting too. So uh, continuing to do good stuff here. We're excited about it. We'll have a couple more shows as we lead into uh, week one, looking at some props here, maybe some other futures. We'll talk about a few different things. We'll figure that out over the next week or so. Um, we'll be back to talk with you guys soon. So for Daigle and Connor, I'm Ryan. We'll see y'all. Yeah. Thanks for <laughs>